Welcome to the Prime Life Project Podcast, a place to help you unlock your full potential, both mentally and physically, to become the best version of you. Welcome back to another episode of the Prime Life Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and today, wow, this podcast came out of absolutely nowhere. I asked Petra to come onto the podcast because I knew that she could add value. I knew a little bit about her story. But upon doing the research into her and the podcast that we created, it just absolutely blew me away. You guys are... I'm sure I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to go there. But I know you're going to get some value out of today's episode. I know that. And I also know that people around you will get some value from today's episode. So as always, all I ask is to help me get the word out, help me spread the message to help as many people as possible. And if you take any value, please like and share it with a friend. So my guest today is Petra Velsabur, and she was raised in a religious cult called the Children of God, where she experienced levels of abuse, control, and self-doubt that led her to develop an addiction problem later on in adult life. She talks about this in a lot of detail and goes into a lot of personal stories that I know will pull at the heartstrings. But we don't spend too much time there. Like We talk about how she had... um, elevated um, escalated thoughts of suicide uh, where she saw no way out and then she overcame these difficulties beat her addiction and she now brings hope to others she's now an international now an international keynote speaker psychotherapist mental health consultant executive coach and a podcast host you guys are going to absolutely love her so as always sit back relax and enjoy Welcome back to another episode of the Pramla Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and today I am joined by Petra Velsabor. Petra, how are we? Doing really good today. I'm happy to be on your show. I, was, I say this on all my intros because I always tend to mess up the, the person's name, and I think I nailed that just then. I think you did quite well. I'm okay. impressed. Well I, I, done, saw, I saw your face light up as I said it, and I thought, I, was like, oh, yes, <laughs> I think I actually got this one. Awesome. Uh, so again, like I said, we've had a, bit, uh, a really uh, brief chat off air, but... Today, uh, for my audience, uh, you're in the presence of someone who is going to not give you any excuses, really. Like, I think it's the best way of putting it. Like, you're very straight to the point, but I love that approach because that's how I am. Uh, and again, I think a lot of people, especially what's going on nowadays, they're a bit lost and they don't have a lot of hope and they're stuck in this sort of victim mentality. So today, through sharing your story, I hope to sort of change that with people and give them that hope that you sort of look to inspire within people. So let's just take it back because I think I don't want to spend too much time uh, in your past. However, I feel it's very, very important that people understand where you have come from to understand the, the transition of this amazing person we're going to talk to today. So can you take me back to your childhood and talk, me about, talk to me about what life was growing up for you? Sure. Um, so originally born in Holland... Uh, my parents thought it was an excellent idea to join a religious cult when I was two years old. Um, they met, it's my mom and my stepdad, they met in Brazil. Um, I probably grew up in Brazil, India, Russia, Kenya, like all over Europe. It was very nomadic sort of life. We're, we're like a blended family. So I'm like the only one with this shocking hair. And then I've got brunette sisters and a black brother and sister. And it's oh, wow. like one of those, wow. like yeah, all the yeah, colors yeah. of the, the rainbow. So there were some exciting bits. Like lots of people are like, ooh, communes, that sounds amazing. And so there were some exciting bits. Um, and we didn't go to school. So our parents thought the school of life was the best sort of uh, angle. 
And we also thought that the world was going to end every three years, pretty much. And every three years, we'd be like, is it? It's today. And then something would happen. And it would when, when, when I heard you say that, and, and when I was doing some research into you, I, was like, I couldn't actually believe that. I thought, well, that's a great way to invoke fear into people. So we talk about people living in fear. I mean, what a great way to invoke fear into people that from a young age, you're but convinced the world's going to end. I know. Yeah into a child so it's very funny like the times that we're in now we kind of look at each other and go "Ooh, we've been preparing for this our whole lives we're like, <laughs> is it happening? here it is we're ready <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's it's happening um so yeah there and i guess the doctrines got weirder and got a little bit more convoluted there was it was christian basis but then there was free love and then there was you know lots of kids and not going to school meant that if we decided on a different path in life so becoming a teenager and then going, hey, this isn't how everyone lives. Maybe I want to do something else. We just didn't have a backup plan. And our parents just thought, well, you didn't need one because you were being trained to be a God's end time army, seriously. Mm. Um, and well, so you uh, it was children of God, wasn't it? Was, it, was that the, the cult that you were in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. So it was so, cool, a religious yeah, group. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and like, and, and to give people the extreme of where it ended up, there's, there's lots of stuff online. There's a, a documentary out there where the son of the founder ends up um, taking his own life, but not before murdering the woman who kind of raised him and, and hoping that it would have been one of the leaders and, and it wasn't. Um, and so that's like the, the striking image of where anyone from my generation could have ended up. Mm. And many people did in one yeah. form or another, right? Did, uh, did you decide to leave or was it your family decided to leave? Like, how did that work to actually leave? So people left at different times. I actually always felt a little bit ashamed that I was in it for as long as I was. But I guess I was scared and it was the only I ended up living a double life. So my double life was on the one hand, I was actually going up the ranks and was like, I used to lead youth programs and just be, you know, trusted and all of that. And on the other side, my, one of my sisters had left um, when I was a bit younger, hedonistic, alcohol, drug-infused sort of crazy life, just trying to uh, ignore everything mm -hmm. and avoid you know, the, 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 the discomfort I felt with where things were heading, but not being brave enough to make the decision. And so life ends up, you know, when you don't make the decision, life ends up making it for yep. you, yep. that old chestnut. And yep. people just wait. We just wait, right? And so I guess my whole angle now is like, I don't wait for life to make the decision for me. I'm just like, let me be ahead of the game. No, I love that. So what, what age did you actually leave then? So I was 22. I had a relationship with my now ex-husband and I fell pregnant while I was still, that this was all very illegal when you were in the group. <laughs> you weren't supposed to have relations with people outside. So, I, so again, that double life meant that I got really good at putting up a mask of like saying the right thing to the right people, adapt new crowds, say the right thing to the, like survival, right? Mm, mm. But, but as many of us know, when, you, when you're living a mask um, internally, it just starts to fracture, doesn't it? And oh, you, you, never, you don't even know who you are anymore. And that mask gets heavy as well. Like you wear oh. it all the time, but then when you actually take it off, it's just so exhausting. I've, I've spoken about this a few times on the podcast. Like that mask that people wear. I think everyone's got masks. Is it the, um, the Japanese have got saying that people wear three masks? The one they um, show their friends, they show the rest of the world, and the one they show themselves, like these three different masks. And it's whatever mask people don't on. know how to show themselves one and, anymore. And that's the worrying thing. A lot of people, I think, that people are struggling nowadays is that they don't know themselves. But again, because we're not taught how to find yourself. And I think that's where a lot of these um, mental health problems come because there's yeah. so much conflicting yeah. things, which obviously you found, but you found it in the extremes because you were in such a weird, quote unquote, extreme. environment, extreme, yes. that when yes. you came back into the quote unquote real world, you kind of had a bit more awareness that most people probably don't have. 
Well, I did, but that awareness was actually very debilitating because I ended up marrying someone who was as normal as possible. White picket fence normal, yeah. go to work, <laughs> plan for retirement early. Literally, I thought that was what normal was. And I thought if I could just um, wear that mask and, and be sort of a you know, housewife and a mom and all these things, which slowly killed my soul, um, then I would be okay. Like I, if I could pretend to be normal, eventually I would feel normal. Yes. But that's actually not how it goes. You, if you're pretending to be someone else's version of normal, you're just burying yourself deeper and deeper underneath. And slowly, you know, for me, it was alcohol addiction that just started spiraling worse and worse. And for other people, it's a whole other whole host of other things. So I was going to get into that. So when it comes to the, because obviously you left the, um, uh, you left um, yeah. the commune. What was life like then for you coming into the real world? And how early on did this, alcohol uh, addiction come into play was it something that was quite um early on to deal with what had gone on or was it something that slowly gradually took hold well i've since learned that there's a genetic component and i didn't grow up with my biological father but once i met him i realized there was addiction and all sorts and on that side of the family and i didn't grow grow up around it but it was that nature thing Mm. you know um and so i think whenever i had access to alcohol I certainly spun into it to to fill some kind of void quickly. Mm. Um, so there was always the little hints of it throughout, you know, when my my teenage years. But certainly it was exas- exacerbated by moving into this normal world. And then I had a son, right? So so I have this little boy, and my boyfriend goes off to work. And I used to live in con- like I don't I don't know what being alone is like because you're just always with people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly I'm in this flat. I've got this kid and my boyfriend goes off to work and I'm looking at walls going, is this what normal is? Cause I just want to take my own life. Yeah. You know, I was so lonely. Like I can't even describe the loneliness because not only was it the, the experience of a young mom moving to, I'd, I'd moved to London pregnant. So I didn't know anybody or anything like that. But also I pushed away everybody from the past. Cause I was like, I, I can't be influenced. Like I have to figure out what my own mind is. But interestingly, my own mind just got influenced by my ex-husband and his normal, which, yeah, it just spiraled out. Was it that then potentially a loss of identity almost? Because, totally. you, you, yeah, because you kind of had this amazing, I'll say amazing life. Because like you look at these, these, um, like these communes in any way, shape or form, fundamentally at their core, the idea is great. But again, as you sure. said, things get twisted and all that sort of stuff. But it allows free will. And again, you're a little bit more, you're not confined to set as your walls and stuff. But then now, the quote-unquote normal is bizarre. And like I said, we're expected to do very mundane, boring things. So was it then almost that loss of identity that you were? Because even just chatting to you now, I can tell you're a free spirit. Like you're very, you're not the quote-unquote conventional norm um, for the kind of job that you'd have. Do you know what I mean? Normally it's very straight-laced kind of, you're you're not that person. So was it then that conflict between yourself of the person that you knew you were and then like trying to be forced into this new normal? Totally. Total loss of identity. And that even if I didn't agree with the past or the belief systems anymore, which was still very confusing because it got chipped away, you know, at over time. Um, still, we were raised to think we were the elite generation. So imagine that level of specialness put onto you of just like you were born. You know, how people talk, coaches talk about purpose and find your purpose. We were <laughs> born with a purpose. We were like, this is your purpose, and then this is your collective purpose. And there's something intoxicating about being part of a collective purpose. Mm. And then even if you, you start veering off, and then, and then it's like, what? If that's not my purpose, which I was born and raised into to fulfill, who the fuck am I? Yeah. Right? 
Like, I'm sorry, am I allowed to? Yeah, oh, oh, listen, I swear. Do you know what? I, I, I need to say this. To, I need to put it on my notes for the guests because I swear all the time. And guests come in, they'll drop an F bomb. They're like, oh, but do people, do my audience, they'll it's be like. the BBC. No, no, it? you're on. <laughs> no, you're absolutely fine. Swear away. Uh, we're good. Yeah. So definitely identity loss. And then um, where do you go from there? I now have a kid. I don't have an education. I don't have a way of, of um, supporting myself. I'm a little bit stuck with my boyfriend. Like, otherwise, what the hell do I do? Um, and, you know, that's my baseline. So I drank more. And I think a lot of people have this problem now. It's like that, that numbing agent. So if they don't quite like where they are. It doesn't have to be in the relationship. It can be purely they, they don't feel fulfilled in their life or at work. They'll use things like sex. And I've been there. Sex for me, when I was at my, at my lowest, when I had depression, sex for me was my thing that kind of got me through. It was my addiction. Like, yeah. it, it sounds bizarre for people like, well, you're depressed. Not yeah, but it just gave me that hit of... The dopamine being, hit. Yes, it just gave me that hit of being... Exactly. So you've got like all these other things like sugar can be uh, the escapism. There's all these different things that people don't necessarily relate to as addiction, but it's just then taking that step back and being like, right. Also like Netflix, like toxic people that reinforce your shitty belief system, you know, just like repeat habits, like all of that's addiction. It's just doing something in order to not think and be conscious of who you are in the world because that's hard. You know? so, why, so, why, so why do you think people run away from trying to find themselves because it's terrifying what the fuck are you gonna find you don't know like i'm you know how we compare our insides to other people's outsides mm -hmm. you've got this great podcast you seem to have figured it all out and then our insides are like "Ooh, i feel a bit insecure and i don't quite know what i'm doing and like all the the narrative right that's in our head and it's it's scary especially the further along you get, so now you, you, you're 25, you're 30, you're 35, you're 40, and then society's conditioning around like normal is like, you should be happy with a mortgage, with two cars, with like the aspiration of, of, of consumerism. And then you're sitting there with these kids and your spouse that you don't even know who they are. And you're like, well, I don't know why I'm unfulfilled. Let me go cheat. Let me go like just sp spiral out. Let that. me spend too much, you know, because it's just like, is this all that existence is? Mm. And it's, it's, it's hard to ask the tough questions because often that highlights the work you need to do. And you can't then be a victim anymore, can you? And it's also then hard as well because we're not taught where to, to look. We're not like... It, it's but, but, but that's true. And we live in a world of information. You can find out any fucking thing that you want. So like, mm -hmm. that's the excuse 101 is mm -hmm. just like, just if, if you're like, what do people do when they feel depressed? What do they do when they're unhappy? You can just YouTube the fuck out of anything mm. and learn your way out of stuff. So do you know what I mean? Oh, no, I, I completely agree. I 100% I, I agree. My thing is that sometimes, again, as you said, there's conditioning. We're conditioned not to do that. We're conditioned yeah. that if you're feeling a certain way, buy more of this, do more of that. And that's the thing. It's like people, it's like being in, uh, uh, for me, The Matrix is a documentary. For me, The Matrix is a documentary. I say it all the time, but people are so plugged in. And again, I've been there. It's just when uh, I also like about yourself and your story. You're very transparent. You, you don't claim to have your shit together all of the fucking time. And neither do I. Like people don't. And I think this is also part of the problem that nowadays, again, so I'm 31 years old. And again, you look on quote unquote what normal should be. Again, as you said, I should have a mortgage by now. I should have multiple cars. If I'm not earning a million pounds, if I'm not earning a million pounds, I'm a failure. But it's like, why can't we just actually just having a quote unquote normal life that people feel fulfilled in? 
that they are happy within themselves. Why can't that be seen as the gold standard? Because you, we know people, I know people, I know you know people that are multimillionaires. They're miserable as fuck. Yet people are aspiring to be that. Yet all the millionaires are aspiring to be is be happy and find themselves. And it's like, it's, it, it's, the bizarre thing with it is, the more you look at all the literature or stuff that's out there, all the ancient stuff, yeah. it's all about finding your fucking self. You create your own happiness, but we're not openly taught how to do that. I think it's a bit bizarre. Yeah. And it is the slowing down from the noise and removing yourself from it in order to hear your own intuition and your own voice. And that just takes practice now in a world of constant noise, constant distraction, constant like pulling you away from certain things. And it's if the people are in, in that vortex as well, um, it's, it's just pretty, it, it, you know, it takes bravery to yes. step out of it and sit still with yourself and make your own decisions. I think that's a great way that bravery. It is very, very brave. And it's hard and it's brave. Uh, and again, because you've got to be very vulnerable as well. And people don't like to be vulnerable. They like to wear, like I said, their, their masks, their, their armor. But it's hard to take that off. So just going quickly back to um, when you were struggling with your um, alcohol addiction. Can you remember your rock bottom? I've heard you, you mentioned something um, about when you really hit your rock bottom, you gave yourself a deadline. So can you just talk to people about how bad it really got and then what was your like eureka moment that you were like, well, yeah. fuck this shit. I'm going to try and do something. There were, pro- there were probably two and they both involved um, getting, putting my kids in potential danger without realizing it. So being in total blackout and not realizing that I'd, that w- the, the, the extent of the danger I'd put my, my two young t- kind of toddlers into um, when I was drinking. And I would drink in the day. And I remember taking my kids to the playground and putting wine in a water bottle and um, just like being fucked by the time my boyfriend would come home and he'd be like, ah, uh, you know, or he'd, or he'd think, cause we, we know all the manipulative tricks. Hey babe, let's have a dr- let's have a drink. And I'd be a bit tipsy and he'd be like, you get drunk quick. And I'm like, I've been drinking all afternoon. Um, <laughs> um, and so um, I, I start. I got sober once and then there was six months of like going to, to AA meetings and kind of connecting with people. Which and I don't go anymore because the because it's a bit culty. Yeah. Um, but but still the tradition. What I learned was to take the mask off. What I learned was with a, amongst other people that were fucked up, I could just go. This is this is the the nasty dirtiest version of me. And then the final rock bottom was um, I took my young son. I put him in the car seat and we drove to IKEA. And I'd been sober for a little while, so of course my uh, tolerance had gone down. Um, and I and then I started. I just went. Um, I'll just have one of those little Swedish bottles of wine in the cafe, right? Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, fuck it, right? So I had one. And then I don't know how long it was, but I just kept circling back and having another one and having another one and buying all sorts of shit that I didn't need. <laughs> and then I remember this striking moment when I got to my car and I knew I shouldn't drive. I knew I was fucked. And I actually picked up the phone to somebody who was in AA and I said, I'm about to get behind the wheel of my car with my son and um, I shouldn't drive. And she said, don't get in the car. I'm going to get there. It's going to take me 20 minutes. And then suddenly I felt like a burden. And I was like, I can't make you come here, you know, and take 20 minutes out of your day or whatever it's going to be. I'm crying. And I went, don't worry, don't worry. And I hang up and I get back in. I get in the wheel of my car and drive in total blackout. So I have no recollection of this drive until I have a head on collision with another vehicle. Um, And yeah it was a small London road. So it wasn't like high impact, but there, you know, there was obviously something and it jolted me up. And I remember talking to the guy who had some kind of red car, it sort of jolted me out. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, just give me your details. It's a company car, right? 
Um, and so, and, and, and this is the shocking thing. I had been in total blackout. My son is strapped to the back, right? He must be one and a half or whatever. Um, and I get back into the car and nobody stops me from driving the rest of the way home. That's how fucking good I was at keeping a mask up. Fuck. So you were, you were completely able to function in this state of complete I had addiction. some kind of conversation. I re- and I remember the next day not remembering the conversation I'd had with him or where his details were or what we'd exchanged because my, my ex-husband was like, what conversation did you have? What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? And I was like looking in my car for clues. I was like, maybe there's a card or fuck I was like, what the hell. fuck conversation <laughs> did I have? Oh. Anyway, it was soon after that, that that moment happened where I woke up and because um, there's so much deception when you're drinking. There's so much cover up. Like I remember losing my car one night because I'd driven it. I'd left my kids sleeping in the house alone, driven my car to the pub because my boyfriend was out and left it there, thankfully, and walked, walked home. And the next morning I was like, fuck, the car's not outside. Hmm. What do I tell my boyfriend? Um, I'm going to go for a walk, beer. And I like had to walk and retrace my steps. And then I, and I would look, I would check the hub of my car to see if there was blood on it, if I killed anything fuck because I didn't hell. know. Yeah. Anyway. There was lots of rock bottoms, but I woke up one morning and I was just like, I, I, I was depressed. I was anxious. You know, these are all the, mm. the kind of ripple effects. Right. And I just thought I, I can't do another day of the, just the tedious shot. Like I, I just couldn't do it. And so I just, it, it was a thought that formed slowly and it was, you know, let me, um, I can still kill myself if I want to, but let me postpone it for one year. And I don't know why it was a year but I just gave myself this year where I would just delay it. And for some reason I was so desperate and i now had nothing to lose. And I knew I would just take my life if I was going to continue the way it was. So that gave me enough of a push to test experiment and try a whole host mm. of little things to slowly kind of get myself out of it, including quitting drinking. Cause you were just like, it can't get any worse. So let's just, it, it gave you, and I think, I think this is the, the interesting thing with it. Cause people are in such that, that, that such a fear that things can get worse. And it's just like, they, they, they don't take risks, but again, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. You fail, but you're still going to be okay. Where you were like, well, if I fail, I'm going to kill myself. So I might as well fucking really fucking go for it. Yeah. 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 And it's that fuck it moment. It's like, well, fuck it. It is. What's the worst that can happen? Well, I can't keep doing this daily struggle, but it's also interesting the stories we tell ourselves to stay in addiction. Yes. Like I, I would tell myself, well, I'm drinking because I'm unhappy, obviously. Like mm. if I give up drink, like that's only going to make it worse, surely. And I see it all the time with other addictions. Well, like the sex is the mm. only thing, good thing I've got going for me. I'm not going to give that up because then everything else is fucked. But actually, it's the act of letting go of those things for the briefest amount of time to give yourself space to be honest with yourself mm. that allows you to think from a clearer head, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what people, that's, the, that's what stops people yeah, over they, and over and they, over they, again. They can't see the bigger picture of things. They're so just caught up on their, um, their own little Survival. problem of things. Exactly, exactly. Uh, do yeah. you hold any guilt about how you were in that state or is that something you've had to work through? Is it something you are conscious? Cause like how you are now as a person. And again, you tell that story, I can tell you feel very uncomfortable about the stuff that you've done. And same with me, like the stuff, how, how I behaved, I, I'm very embarrassed about some of the stuff I've done, how I've treated people, but I've had to go through a really tough process of forgiving myself. Have you had Ooh. to go through that thing as well? Ooh. Yeah, that's tough. Well, just think the, the, probably the biggest stigma out there is an unfit mother, mm. not a father 
because a father can fuck off and we can make excuses that they're just men, we can. But an unfit mother is is literally the worst stigma out there because you're like, you should have this bond of love that's just natural and overflowing and should override everything else. So there's, of course, masses of guilt for, for, you know, my own behavior. But I guess um, the mantra that got me through a fuckload of stuff is the best revenge is living a good life. And that meant I had so much energy that I spent on hating myself, on hating the cult, on hating like my past and my lack of education and all the circumstances. And that probably it's 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 changed now. But 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 the best revenge is living good life. That means that every day I have an opportunity to be a better parent. Every day I have an opportunity to show up as a better friend, a better girlfriend, a better you know um, employer, employee. And it's every day that you end up having a stacking, you know, so that you you now have more good than you have of the shitty stuff, mm. of the stuff you did. And my son's turning 17 this week oh. and is like the most beautiful human on the planet. How does he feel about your story? Like, does, does, he, does he ever ask you about your past and how things were? Or is it sort of like a, a thing that's sort of not spoke about? Um, we speak about bits of it, but not probably to, to the extent, you know, of, of you know, the, the, the experience. But I remember he must have been 14 when we went to, we drove to a petrol station and he just randomly said, have you ever been in a car accident? And I just went, oh. <laughs> and he was like, what's that? And I went, well, to be honest, son. You, <laughs> so have you. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you. So there's like these little opportunities that he asks the question. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think it's serving for me to just go, son, sit down. Let me tell you my yeah. life story. Mm. Bull, dump. You know? again, but it's always playing victim again, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah no. Yeah. But as they ask particular questions, you know, and they get a sense of where I've come from and, you know, where I am today. I mean, we, we moved into a beautiful house in the middle of lockdown, you know, after business going well and me kind of pushing to the other end. And we sat around the little fire outside and my son said, I'm really proud of you. He went, you've done this. No, you but, know, but how, and this is the thing. And it's, this is the bizarre thing about it. Like you're at this rock bottom and you were not a good person. But again, no. through no fault of your own, you're in that survival state. But that has allowed you to actually become the amazing person that you are now and have that amazing relationship with your kids that you probably wouldn't have had before. Because how many right. people just have a kid and it's kind of, uh, do you know I mean, but you had that guilt, that shame of, I really fucked up there. I need to do better. So now you've got your, your, your son that's actually able to say to you, I'm fucking proud of you. And again, that must fucking mean the world to you with all the shit does. you've gone through just to have someone, well, not just someone, your fucking son be like, mom, I'm fucking proud of you like that. Even for me, I didn't even know you and I'm getting fucking <laughs> emotional. I'm like, that's fucking awesome because I know what that, those words mean yeah. when you've come to the other side for someone to realize how far you've come to be like, I'm fucking proud of you. Now I've not had that moment yet, but again, I'm still not as far along my journey as you are, but I can imagine how powerful that would be. And again, I can see it in, in how you are uh, talking about it, how emotional it gets you. So that's honestly, that, that's, that's powerful. And that, that's incredible. So that's the thing for me that depression was the best thing that ever happened to me. It's allowed me to live the life I'm living now. Same with you. Like all the It allows addiction. you to wake up. You're talking about the matrix. Yes. You've exactly. got to go dark. It, it, we're privileged. Like it's the people who stay in the average zone of inadequate, you know, sadness that just keep going. Mm. Right. Yep. But it's actually those of us who are in such abject pain that you're staring into the abyss that have the opportunity 
to wake up and to mm-hmm. do the work because it is work yep. to then completely change the trajectory of our lives. And then help other people, which is what we're both doing now, which is the, for me, that's the most rewarding part. It's like, I've been through some shit. I've not got myself out of it. Let me help you get out of your shit. So let's talk about this victim mentality then, because you, again, more than most people I've, I've spoken to on my podcast, I've had some in, incredible guests gone through a lot of shit. Like you had the perfect um, opportunity to play the victim because again, I, I did some oh, yeah. research into the, um, the, the, the religious court you were in. Like, as you said, I'd actually Googled it. So you uh, had more than anybody the opportunity to be a victim. So people listen to this right now that are feeling the victim, that the woe is me mentality, my life's shit, I'm not living where I want to, everything's against me, da 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 How would you work? I know you work on more of a corporate level, but what advice and how would you work with people that are stuck in that victim mentality, woe is me? Where would you start with that? I mean, if I think about myself, you need a seed of, of desire to change, you know, of, or being fed up enough, you know. And so if somebody's coming to me as a coach or as a therapist that I would, I would like to think that they have a little seed, although I have seen people who go to therapy or coaching to reinforce their belief system that they're a bit fucked and that actually if you were in my situation, because that's what I would do. I'd like to paint such a good picture that your face would go, you know, oh, fuck, if I was in that situation, I get it. And I'd be like, see, now I have more reason to be in this situation, right? Um, I mean, my, my starter questions are always, if fear didn't exist, what would you want your life to look like? And if guilt didn't exist, what would you want your life to look like? And, and, I, and I like take away the rules of like, can you get there? Do you have the education? Do you have this? Which is like... If fear didn't exist, just imagine for a second, what would my life look like? And equally with guilt, because those seem to be the two things that keep people stuck, Mm -hmm. those emotional states, either fear or guilt, um, that allows them to beat themselves up or to stay playing small. Um, And so for me, if I look back, it was just dreaming. It was just going, huh, I wonder what if I could do that? What if, what if, what if? Um, imagining it um, I, and the amount of notebooks I would have that I just had spider grams of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, because your brain then, and now I can see the science. Like if you see Dr. Joe Dispenza and meditation and talking about manifestation, I'm like, holy shit, there's science behind this, mm. um, which my son's actually into his stuff and is reading his book, which is like, can you imagine which knowing which that? Reading? Which one's reading? Um, breaking the habit of being yourself. Yes, because you're the ones good as well, become supernatural. That's yeah, yeah. Heavy books. It's but. intense. It's heavy though. But I think breaking the <laughs> habit of being yourself is more practical. Yes, um, and yeah. Agree. So anyway, but can you imagine if we actually knew this stuff when we were but, sixteen? But this is the thing. This has been around for fucking years. Forever. Forever. Yeah. But we don't know it. And this is this is what fucking That's blows true. my mind. This will absolutely yeah. fucking blows my mind. Like Joe Dispenser is not the first person that's come up with it, but he's the first no. person that can articulate it in such a way to the masses. With the science. With exactly, because this is the thing when it comes to meditation, I talk to people about all the time. Meditation, doing your gratitude journals, da-da-da. It sounds really fuzzy, really la-di-da, hippie, woo-woo, da-da-da. But science is backing it up. Science is backing it up now, so you can't use, oh, it's woo-woo. No, no it. it fucking works. And there's loads of people out there that have proven it. And I love exactly what you said about um, the, the reprogramming of your brain, like allowing your brain to think of what if, like that, that reticular activating system. Dream. Yes. But you know, when there's constant noise and there's constant stimulation, that's the thing that we've lost yeah. is space to dream. Because as soon as you're sat by yourself, oh, quick, let me watch this show on my phone, or let me scroll on this thing, or let me do this thing, or let me swipe Tinder, or let me, you know, 
And so the, the sitting with ourselves to just go, huh, I wonder if, or like reading a novel just to escape into the possibilities of what ifs, you know? So, I mean, but, but, but I couldn't dream huge when I was first in survival mode and getting over um, alcohol addiction. It was like I had to learn how to emotionally regulate because when, when you numb so much through actual addi- alcohol addiction, um, you're, it's like you're walking around with no skin when anything that anyone says is, is, is loud and aggressive. And, you know, and so you have to learn. To, so it used to just be just for today. That's the saying in, in, in AA. It's like just for today. There was this little card that said, just, today, just for today, I will be pleasant. Just for today, I won't make it about anyone else. I'll just own my own shit, like that sort of thing. Mm. I would read that three things I'm grateful for. And I would listen to a three minute guided meditation when I felt my cortisol going up. Let me just remove myself. That, that was it. And it was just like, get me through the, I'm going to, how do I get through today sober and then doing one small thing to better my life? One yeah. small thing. And that could have been researching, you know, jobs or, or education or whatever. And, and so I ended up, I remember volunteering at a youth center in the heart of Peckham, South London, just to put myself out there because I wanted to work with teenagers for a little while. Um, And then I started volunteering and then I worked in the youth sector, worked with young offenders and every little thing that you do starts building your confidence. I then got a master's degree, which is insane. um, Because you had no education. No. I think people might miss that at the start, but you had no formal education growing up. So that's fucking... Do people listen to this that think they can't do things? This lady had no education growing up and she's now got a fucking master's degree. Like, yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there, but I just want to, in case someone missed that at the start when you, you mentioned that, I just want to highlight that point. Yeah, and, and sometimes I think my naivety allowed me to skip ahead because I didn't know the rules. And so I started, I did a counselling course which you and I lied about my um, GCSEs and just I, I, I googled some like, I don't know what they are but I googled some some like high school in Holland and said they were whatever I, I winged it I winged it I've and then I got absolutely love that <laughs> so then I did um, a, a counselling level four diploma and then I was like and people were talking about well you got to do a degree now and then a master's and I was like if there was any way for me to just do a master's without doing a degree, I'm going to find the way. And so I never did a degree. I just went, there was a few courses you could do. And I just went for the interview scared shitless. There's no way they're going to let me on. But, but this is the, this is the thing. People have the same thought. There's no way I'm going to get through. Then they don't go. Mm. I go, there's no way I'm going to go. I'm going to go out over and practice anyway. I'm going to show up and practice anyway. But it's not even that when you've been to rock bottom, when you're going to take your own fucking life. So fucking Please. what? So yeah. fucking what? I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, especially when you've been working at the Young Offenders in, and all that, that sort of stuff. Like, oh, please. load of fucking kids. Again, especially in the heart of London. Told you can that. go, you can go and handle a fucking meeting about a master's degree. But it's that, <laughs> it is that like, it's, it's not, it's not arrogance. It's that confidence in what the fuck's the worst that's going to happen? What's the, what's the worst that can possibly happen? You go there, and, uh, well, you and uh, over time, I learned that the people skills I had for, through growing up in lots of countries and living in communes actually gave me edge, like on, on how I communicated and how I adapted to different situations. And I used to think, fuck my past. I can't tell anyone, you know, it fucked everything up. But actually, even the worst childhood or whatever can give you an angle. Mm. This is what people don't realize as well. And so now I just play, I play that angle to, to my strength and somehow pass that course. But again, it's exactly that's that whole thing of going about the victim thing again. It's like, you've got to retrain your brain. 
like, and that's the thing for me when I had this depression. It's like, because again, at the time, I was at the, uh, um, the height of my modeling career, so I was on front cover magazines, uh, bodybuilding. I looked fantastic, but I felt such embarrassment that I'd felt this way. But then when you lose that, it's like, do you know what? I'm not ashamed or embarrassed about this. And then you sort of like, you, you come out of that victim mentality. It then opens you up, as you said. So the stuff that you've gone through as, as a child, you then use that to your advantage. You see the positives in it because there is always positives in it. And it's so, and again, when we and you are talking now, we know full well that in the positions we're in, it's easier said than done. So if you're listening to this right now and you're in a fucking shit place and we're saying, oh, there's, there's always fucking positives. Yes, it's hard. However, I promise you, and again, Petra, I'm sure you're the same, but actually, when you come through the other side, there will be some positives to what you're going through right now. It's just hard to find it, if that makes well, sense. Well, and, and at first, it's in hindsight. You don't see them when you're in it. And it's been 15 years for me, you know, of, of like graft and learning and, and fucking up and thinking, going back into despair to, to, to whereas now, when, when I'm in a tough spot, my brain can just go automatically. It can say, I wonder what this is training me for. It doesn't make any sense, but my brain goes, I wonder what it's training me for. Because my experience is that every next level I get to, I look back and I go, oh, that shitty thing was getting me ready for this. Mm. Good to know. Yeah. So now I can preempt it, but that it takes time. And that's what it is. It's time. People want, and again, we're talking about now the, the culture, like F is now, like Tinder, instant gratification. Like, there's always just, just, you want things now, 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 like that, that just eat, you order something within t- five minutes, your food's delivered. Amazon, same day, same day delivery. <laughs> I ordered, I ordered a book here. It's the, uh, the, the Four Agreements. I ordered it, I think, okay. 9 o'clock in the morning, and it came by 7 p.m. that night. And I thought, what the fuck? It literally blew my mind. I was like, how has that even happened? But anyway. There is no way to. Digressing. So something I've heard you talk about, which I absolutely love, and I just want to say thank you, by the way. I know we're not finished yet, but how you're articulating what you talk about is, I've not heard it said in this way before. And even though I said just the fact of asking, what if? I've never heard in all the stuff I've been looking at, just someone asking, like, what if? So that for me, myself, like, thank you, because you, you, you've, you've taught me something there, and I'm reusing that, because I think that's absolutely brilliant. Well, because don't we, don't we go, what if it goes wrong, but we don't go, what if it goes right? Yeah. Yeah. What if I ace it? Yeah. We don't even go there. Sorry. No, uh, no, 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 honestly, I absolutely love that. But one thing I've heard you talk about is that you, now, you, you help people live their truth. So... I've heard other people talk about this. And again, I know a lot of people do talk about this. Um, but what does that actually mean? Like, what does living your truth actually mean? Oh, well, I know what not living my truth means. And that means faking it in all sorts of ways in order to fit in and be liked and be accepted and belong. And what, this is the main thing is we want belonging as humans. It's one of our primal instincts. We need to belong to a tribe to survive. And so we end up chipping away our soul over time, every month, every month, more and more in order to fit in and belong until you're looking around at your friends and you're going, huh, are these my people? You know, yeah. but you don't know how to get out of it. And, and you think, well, I'm too far gone now. I'm 35. And like, if I fuck up these, this friendship group, then well, you know, you don't make friends when you're older, belief systems, belief mm. systems, all that sort of thing. Um, finding your truth is practicing bravery every day. That's how I look at it. And practicing bravery is um, building resilience. It's putting yourself out there to say, to have an opinion. So if you think I grew up in a cult, there is a group think. This is how we think. So if if they talk about just an exaggerated microcosm of conditioning in Mm. society, which is do this, do this, as, as we were talking about before. So what if you just took a second and went, what's my actual opinion on this? And for me, it started small. What restaurant do you want to go to? Oh, I don't mind. You guys decide. You know, 
Yeah. yeah and yeah. we're like, what, what, we're like, what holiday should we go on? Oh, I don't care. You guys decide the fuck. This is an opportunity for me to practice having an opinion and communicating in relationship with other people. Mm. Probably the best skill that's out there. So every single day we have an opportunity to have an opinion and it starts small. Oh, well, yeah, I really fancy Thai food. You know, I don't, we don't have to, but I'm going to put my, my sort of opinion in the room. Yeah. Um, and then it becomes, you know, Hey, I th- I'm, I'm going to say something about the discrimination that's happening in my office because I have integrity about who I am and it's not contingent on whether you like me or whether somebody accepts me. Mm. Right. So it starts so, small, but then it sort of allows you to sort of build up. It's practice and then it builds up into knowing yourself, but also, you know, this self-awareness, learning, learn the stuff because it confronts you and helps you to identify who you are. Mm, If you're not learning, you're not growing. And then you don't get to look at every daily life as an opportunity for practicing that growth. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing I love about everything you say is that you're not expecting people to go to the extreme straight away. You don't like, and it's something, even when you said uh, earlier on about the Alcoholics Anonymous stuff, and, and I guess saying, I say to my clients, just win the day. Just win today. So even now, when we're talking about finding your truth. You're not saying, well, you've got to do da 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 You're saying, right, just start off small. And it could just be a case of having, where do you want to go to eat? And most people are like, oh, I don't mind, I don't mind. And in a relationship, how many females, you see all the, the, the memes on uh, Instagram, social media about uh, the notebook, where do you want to eat? And there's all that the big hoo-ha about females saying, I don't know. It's like, just, just say something. Like, as you said, Thai food. Well, you know, I don't really fancy Thai food. What about this? Oh, yeah, actually, I like that as well. It's just, and I think it's something you really hit on here, and it's, it's not just in, I know you work in more the corporate field now, but just in life in general, people just don't know how to communicate with, 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 with people that, again, meant to be the, the, the nearest and dearest. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, because, because I always ask people, um, what's going to be useful to the outcome of this conversation? And I know that sounds like um, a bit clinical or whatever, but it isn't. It's like, are we just going to just act out like blah, 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 like anything that we want? Or are we going to go, I, this person matters to me. The outcome of this conversation is I want more connection and I'm going to take responsibility for that. And that goes for you communicating to your teenagers um, you know, like how do you collaborate and teach them critical thinking so that they can be conscious beings in the world if you're controlling their every thought and they can't. And my God, relationships are a good place to practice all of this stuff, right? Yeah. Because you have to stay with, it's like you have a mirror held up to you of all your flaws and all your, you know, and you have to sit within that vulnerability and still communicate in a way that isn't blaming the other person for how you feel, which is classic. That's what victim mentality is. Yeah. Blame Absolutely. people, circumstances, environment for how I feel. When actually, if you take radical ownership for you, then, then that, none of that matters. You are how you feel because you are the one interpreting the, the, the kind of outside stimulus and, and creating something from it. Mm. You're you remaining making machines. And, and if you come in as well and you're the best version of yourself, you're showing up every single day as the best version in your relationship, at work, with your friends, it can't not have a positive impact on the outcome. So again, I think the problem is people don't communicate in relationships. As a prime example, because everyone knows what it's like in relationships. Like, and even with some of my clients, it's bizarre to me how many of my clients, and sometimes I have them uh, and uh, I'll train the, the husband and the wife. And one person will say one thing to me and the other person, I'm like, oh, have you spoke to the other person? And I know, I know both sides of the story. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. And I'm thinking, if you just how? spoke, you're on the same, you are literally on the same page. And this isn't just a one-off thing. This happens all the time. Or I'll have a client that's male, m- many females I work with. 
And I'll be chatting to them and they're like, oh yeah, but this, I'll be like, but have you told your partner that? Oh no, no, no. And I'm like, trust me, as a male, we are fucking stupid. You have to tell us we are not going to read between the lines. What happens? They go away. They do that. Oh, I can't believe how much better the relationship is now. Well, yeah, because like you're it's acting so simple weird. once you've cracked it. Yes, because you're acting weird, which is then making him act weird. You then yeah. think he's being weird, but he's only being weird because you're acting weird. In response to you. And you started it in a way because Absolutely. you can just step up and speak. Yeah. Bizarre. So but I know. People, so, carry on. So carry on. But, but you have to start in small ways. People wait for like, let's have the big conversation about the relationship. Let's have the small conversation about where the bin is. You, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's have this practice in the small ways and then it, you've got the skills to utilize it in the mm. big stuff. Have the conversation before you have the argument. Oh, right. Where's the bin? Where the fuck's the bin? Like just have an actual <laughs> conversation about it. So, and, and then what's often happening is that person is feeling something based on their past. It's not about the fucking bin, but it's anyway. Got, it's got nothing to do with the bin. No. <laughs> the, the poor no, bin. Never. <laughs> uh, so I know we're running out of time a bit, but I just yes. want to just quickly uh, got two like uh, qu- questions. Again, we'll say questions like more to add value to the audience. Like what, what habits and routines do you have in place now that help you stay grounded, in control, and encourage you to grow? Because you don't strike me as the kind of person that is just going to be like, right, well, I'm here now. I'm going to stay here. You seem like the kind of person that's constantly, like myself, hopefully, like pushing to strive to be a better version of yourself. But what habits and routines do you have as a foundation to build that on? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to evolve. And I think people get stuck even in the well-being space with like doing the same thing. And even if you talk about training, you tell people to mix it up, right? So if you truly want to be fit and evolve your body, it's like you, you do this and then you mix it up and you do anyway, whatever. Um, so for me, I like to just reflect on whether something's still working for me. So of course, um, exercise, gratitude, and um, this question is probably my most powerful question uh, for in a morning routine. Who do I want to be? Mm. Who do I want to be today? And, and it got me through my divorce. So, so when I got divorced, I was still living with my ex-husband for six months and he was angry and hurt and probably less self-aware to have some of these conversations. And I had to hold my kids in mind because that was my responsibility. And I would ask myself three things I was grateful for and who did I want to be? And I wanted to be kind. I wanted to show integrity. I wanted to like take ownership for my own behavior. And that just meant that no matter how he acted out, I didn't rise to it and I um, responded with kindness and generosity. And, you know, now we've got a great kind of post-divorce relationship anyway. Um, so who do I want to be? Exercise for sure. Movement. We just got to just get some of this excess energy out. Mm. Um, and learning. Oh, learning. Be, 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 beyond a shadow of a doubt through, through YouTube. My boyfriend will make fun of me sometimes because I'll be like, if I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO of my company and I'll be on YouTube going five <laughs> steps to being the best CEO. <laughs> He's like, it is your downtime. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I got to learn. This is a good time to learn. <laughs> uh, isn't that bizarre though? Because I can do everything else in my habits routines. But if I'm not learning, I don't feel like I'm better than I was yesterday. It, it's okay for a day if I don't read for a day. But you know, two, three, four days, I will literally lose my shit without realizing it. I will go on a spiral that I'm not good enough. I'm staying still. I'm going backwards because I don't know if you have this, but I have this constant fear, which end fear thing, but it's like, I don't want to stop because I don't want to go back to how I was. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And people are like, like, oh, you're doing amazing. You know, you don't get it. I don't want to go back there. So I'm just going to keep progressing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a great driver, and I'm a little bit older than you, so I've been in the hustle for a good few yeah. years. 
And I guess what I'm learning now is that, um, uh, you know, there are other ways of learning as well. And mm -hmm. sometimes the being and the staying and the meditating rather than the mind hustle mm -hmm. um, are also just as valuable. And they're yeah. probably more valuable for your body and releasing stress and, and sustaining long-term success. Do you, do you meditate yourself? Um, I have an off and on relationship with meditation, um, mostly because focusing on my breath doesn't work for me because of trauma that I've experienced. And I only recently learned this, that because of I, I sort of hyperventilate out of habit because of life. Yeah. And so not focus, once I realized I didn't have to focus on my breath, but instead I focus on the tingly sensation in my fingers. Um, so I close my eyes and uh, palms up and I just focus on the energy around my fingers and suddenly meditation is magical for me. It's, it's, and, it's, and then I... So it's bizarre that there's other ways of doing it. Again, I think I spoke about this on my last podcast with, uh, with Frances. I did a, a therapy course and basically uh, ACT therapy, uh, acceptance of communication therapy. Oh, abs nice. Ab absolutely brilliant. Um, and one of the, the pillars of that is uh, meditation, mindfulness. And basically what they're saying is if people have trauma like this, that actually meditation can be very, very triggering for them. But then actually get them to practice mindfulness of, with their eyes open, look at a candle, for example, Senses. or a light. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. When, when I listened to it, I thought, oh, it's a bit interesting. So as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I get that. It, it's yeah, interesting, Yeah, because I it? get post-traumatic stress disorder at, at times. And so for me, learning to connect to grounding exercises that connect to my senses rather than my breath it's just, it's just counterintuitive. So, so what, what I'm saying is if one way doesn't work for you, it's easy to go, well, meditation isn't for me. Yeah. But you know, you, you can walk and listen to a guided thing. You can, for me, just focusing on my hands and like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but also Joe Dispenza's stuff of like imagining a different reality in an elevated emotional state. So I'll smile, like my meditation will be like me sitting there and I'll be smiling, imagining all the things, you know? And so it's very, yes, yeah. it, 100%. If anyone doesn't know Dr. Joe Spencer, please go check him out. The guy's absolutely insane. And if you go on his website, you can download one of his workshops. Uh, again, it costs money, uh, but I highly recommend you do that. It's absolutely incredible. And also get his books as well. But again, the stuff you're picking up on here is absolute gold. Like, I hope people listen to what Petra's saying, and I hope you go back and just listen back to the last five minutes where she's talking about habits and routines because the stuff there is absolute gold. And it is also a case when we spoke off air about the 5 a.m. club. And I said, I don't do 5 a.m. I, I tried it. I really don't enjoy it. I don't function well in the morning. But that doesn't mean I suck it off. I take the principles of stuff and I just move the times. So whatever and me and Petra... it to you. Exactly. Yeah. So whatever me and Petra were talking about, me and any of my other guests, don't just take his gospel and copy what we're saying. Take the principles of it that work. And then, like, like I said, Alcoholics Anonymous didn't work for you. But you notice the things that actually, I don't like this. It's very, very culty now. It's not good for me. But... I like this part of it. I like that part of it. I'm going to take that and I'm going to leave. And that's what you got to do Let me just say the first five years, it did work for me. It yeah. saved my life yeah, and it, it gave, gave me the skills and practice. And then I had the conscious choice to decide how I was going to keep doing my recovery, you know, which was different rather than just doing it because everyone else is in there for life. And I think it's also important as you said about, about the development. So something that worked for you for five years doesn't mean it's going to work for you for six years no. or seven years. No. But again, you had the awareness to actually understand that. Just to finish off with, uh, final question, what advice would you give someone uh, right now that does feel stuck and out of control with their life? Is there any like parting wisdom, final words you would say to someone who's listening to this saying, you guys are amazing, Petra, you, you absolutely smashed this podcast, but me, myself, it's not going to work for me. What would you say to those people? Just like, are you happy? Reflect on where you're at. Are you miserable? Like, are you like, holy shit, my life is Groundhog Day and it's so tedious, but I'm stuck. 
and and it's and it's like reflect on how you're feeling are you enjoying it if you're not then doing one small thing every day to sim- to just disrupt a little bit with no agenda you don't have to have a perfect roadmap at this stage it's like let me talk to that person who sometimes you know is living an uplifting life like who are your friends are you surrounded by people who are like oh covid this life's terrible in that sort of, you know or are you um, surrounding yourself with people going, well, I'm focusing on what's in my control. You know, influences affect us. What are your media influences? Check your media influences. Turn some shit off. But don't, don't just sit in the void if it's too terrifying at first. Just replace it with the podcast, with the one little YouTube clip, with something that's about confidence, something that you want to learn. But also know that um, things don't come just through theory. That's just the starting point. It's the actual small practice every day. So, so I say practice bravery. That's, that's my mantra. Every day you can talk to a person, put yourself out there. And what you realize, I love Tim Ferriss' stuff um, where he talks about um, going to a crowded dance floor, if only we had those now, <laughs> um, and, and laying flat on the floor. And everyone's like, you weirdo, you know? And he has a shame response, but realizes that he's not going to die because that's what your shame response is, is going, oh, let me hide in a cave and, you know, somebody's going to attack me. And then you just, he just, um, uh, what do you call it, inoculates himself in a way from the shame response. So now you can stand on stage and you realize, well, if I get a bit embarrassed or flustered by my words, I'm not going to die. It's just me practicing a different thing. So practice bravery, one small thing every day. Absolutely incredible. Honestly, like I didn't know what to expect when I did my research (laughs) on you. Like I'd followed you on Instagram for a bit and I was like, I really want to reach out to this person. And when I did my research on you, I was absolutely buzzing to get you on. And (laughs) you have Honestly, you've you far surpassed what I expected. But I just want to say thank you for your honesty and openness because I know my audience will appreciate that. It's like they, we see people on social media and stuff that are living the best life and they're doing amazing things and stuff. And people don't tend to be honest and open about their struggles, where they've come from. And more importantly, they don't actually help people by passing mm. on the information that they've learned. And you have given such valuable information today. So I've learned something. I know my audience will have done. So I just want to say thank you. Where can people find out more about you? Where's the, the main things? Like got website, Facebook, Yeah, sure. LinkedIn. So what web, is website is Um We do mental health workplace stuff. So that's the, the primary bit of the business. I'm probably the most active on LinkedIn. Uh, so again, just, just my name and uh, on, on Instagram as well. So yeah, reach out. I'll uh, make sure I put all the links in the show notes. So it's, it's all there for everybody. And again, if you've taken any value from today's episode, please don't forget to like and share it with a friend. Help us spread the word because there's some valuable information that Petra has uh, imparted that I know are going to help people. Like you may have taken a little bit from it, but you may know someone that's struggling with an addiction or something like that. Please just, just pass the episode on, help spread the word, help us help as many people as possible. Petra, thank you ever so much. Thanks for having me.